Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the Riptide. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Brewers, it's time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer, this is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. This is Bruce Strong, and I'm here. Hey, howdy, hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. <laughs> Got his own this ass. Bruce Strong, and I'm here. <laughs> hey, yeah. All right. Hear that on a loop <laughs> forever and ever. Hey, howdy, hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. I'm here with my good friend, Jason Petros. I'm Jamel Zanishef, and this is Bruce Strong. Jason. Yes, sir. How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm just, I'm, you know, like we said at the beginning, we're surviving, just hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I've always wondered, all right, so you, you do a couple other podcasts. You've oh, yeah. You've been in the Brewing Network for quite a while, and you do a, a Disney uh, podcast, right? I do. Yes, sir. And, and what's that called? What's that about? It's Ears Up, and in uh, Ears with a Z, because back in 2013, I thought, you know what? That would be cool. Ears with a Z is cool. Into a Z. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, the one word with an exclamation point. So, you know, we were trying to be funky and fun. And uh, now I hate it because every time I, you know, write my own name, I got to wait. It's a a Z. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm doing that, like I said, 2013. So God, almost 10 years, about 10 years now. I think we started in like June or whatever Uh or September. doesn't matter. Yeah. And so that's cool. We have, um, God, we have like six shows now. It's a whole network, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of. uh, Wow. So what I know how to do is <laughs> just get other people to do shows. Um, yeah. So we have shows, the main shows, just about Disneyland history generally. Mm-hmm. And then we have one show called the Supreme Resort, which compares attractions in Disney World versus attractions in Disneyland to figure out which is better. So there's a lot of like detailed history, a lot of nerd stuff going on there. And uh, we actually just launched one called Puny Pod, which is an MCU sort of watch through historical breakdown show uh, that a couple of folks are doing. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's going to sort of talk about how the movies diverged from the comic books and, you know, kind of branching out as Disney buys more IP and it gives us more, it gives us more topics. Nice. Yeah. And then a show that I, I think I've been on once mm-hmm. was uh, Dr. Homebrew. Dr. Homebrew. Yes, sir. Yes. How long have you been doing Dr. Homebrew? That's been a while too. God, I don't remember. Yeah, it's been a long time. I want to say 2008-ish, 9-ish, something like that. Uh-huh. Um, I don't remember. Well, in that one, people send in beers, 
yeah that they've homebrewed yeah and then you guys taste them and score them and comment on them right yeah yes and the key to that which i'm most proud of is we have the brewer on the call with us so they get to ask questions so you know i say it's an interactive score sheet Mm -hmm. so if we say something stupid or more importantly if brian cooper and brian Shar say something smart and you want to expand on it you can ask them well what does that mean how do you get maltiness you know Mm -hmm. what i was thinking about adding more carapils what would that do or you know whatever what do you think about the hop uh blend or the you know whatever you can get a little bit more feedback than just reading someone's you know writing going oh well this person has no idea what they're talking about the toughest thing though to me is when somebody's like oh taste my beer and then they're asking for feedback and Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people don't really want honest feedback. They want, they, they've handed you the beer because they think it's the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. And then if you say, well, yeah, it could, you know, this, that, the other thing, they get quite, quite hurt. <laughs> yes. With our show, it's a little different because we are soliciting beer from people who want feedback. Mm-hmm. You know, well, so it's they little- all say that. Well, right. But uh, I mean, if you're going to pay for shipping, <laughs> to, you know what I mean? $13, $14 to get us beer. I think you're I think you're OK with it. I think you're OK with that kind of feedback. Yeah. Especially if there's something wrong or I mean, we've had people that I think have taken what we've said a little a little personal, which yeah. happens. I mean, you know, it's your baby that you're bottling. And um, do you get uh, like the second package in the mail that you know, <laughs> yeah. is ticking? Yeah, drink this. Uh, it's clear <laughs> liquid that's sort of foamy. Right. No, everybody's been really kind and cool about it. Everyone's been great. And we've actually had quite a fair amount of rebrews. So oh, we'll have people huh? like rebrew the same batch from based on our recommendations. Right, right. And then we get to drink that. Of course, it's really hard to remember what we said, but you know, it, it's sort of uh, it's nice to revisit huh. stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough to provide people feedback, and it is. It's and, a challenge. Yeah, it's because, like you're talking about their children. Well, you're right. You know what I've noticed over the years? It the the score. So what Brian and Brian do is they drink the beer first, a couple nights before, and then they have a, the second bottle the night of. And more often than not, they will adjust their scores up during the live judging. And I think it's because the person's staring them in the face. <laughs> they're right there on the call. And so I think they just kind of like, I think they're a little more kind, kinder right. than they were, right. you know, quote anonymously. Right. Uh-huh. I know how that is. <laughs> yeah. You like maybe I could go places. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Could a couple come up a couple points here, there, whatever. Oh yeah. It's good. It's good. Yeah. It's, it's liquid. It's liquid. Yes. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. Well, it's, it's not as to contain some alcohol. Yeah. Okay. Well, and then you get to do the the classic well bottle variation. Well, I think this bottle tastes better. There's more carbonation, so I think I'll come up on that a little bit. It's like okay, maybe. <laughs> also, uh, I think you're just it's trying to figure it. Uh, that's an <laughs> yeah. extra ten points. Yeah. Yeah. But we've gotten some cool. We got some cool styles. We've gotten some cool beers. It's it's been nice. It's not all just like try my hazy IPA for the last five years. So right. I, I appreciate that from everybody. Right. That is interesting. And I imagine that's quite challenging to, to do and do consistently. Yes. Uh, you know who does a wonderful job and does it consistently? Who's that? Our good friend, John Blickman. That's right. Blickman Engineering. All that great, great equipment. And like you like to say, you're the inventor of the term innovating your brew day. That's right. 
That's uh, right. I still have yet to see a residual check, John. <laughs> so come on. I don't know if they use that, but yeah, that's, you know, what a great guy and what a great company, what great products. They've been uh, sponsoring the show since, man, it's been 15, 16 years already. Wow. Been a long time <laughs> doing this. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, you know, it's all through the, the graces of John Blickman that uh, makes it all possible. Yeah. Today, we're going to do some Q&A. That's right. Uh, the questions that keep getting sent in to uh, Bruce Strong at thebrewingnetwork.com. I have vowed to answer every question that is sent in. <laughs> this is your uh, Sisyphusian sort yes. of task. Where yes. You're just like, I want to, I'm self-imposing myself to trap my I'm, brain in this jail of a never-ending question. I'm pushing this rock up the hill. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's there's been quite a few questions. There's still, you know, maybe another 300 that haven't been answered. Wow. So here we go. I'm, I'm getting on them. You yeah, know. you are. But yeah, feel free to send more in. I've uh, been doing some some new ones. Uh, one came in I was thinking about doing today. And if a uh, person said, he goes, maybe, you know, I'll, I'll keep listening in five to seven years. You'll get to this <laughs> See, he knows. He knows. He yeah. knows exactly what's going on. And that's what I've always liked about our audience is they're self-aware mm -hmm. and they all, you know what I mean? Not self-aware, I guess, but they know that we're self-aware. They mm. understand what we're doing and they still right. follow us, which is nice. You know what I mean? Right. They know that it's, we're not going to get to it for a while and, and they're not bothered by it. Right. Right. I have been doing more of the, the recent questions. I'm kind of leaving the ones that are a decade old. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I don't feel it's as urgent to get to those now. Yeah. Lost to time. Yeah, I will get to them. It's sure. just not as urgent as the newer ones that come in. So. Right. So you're going to read the question today. What, what's our first question? Well, this one is about oxygenation and carb volumes. Mm. And it looks like a two parter. Mm -hmm. So we'll do whatever you want. This is from Steven. He says, I'm new to brewing, but tried to educate myself as much as possible. My first two batches failed to attenuate fully. Yeah, brother, been there. Both batches stopped around 50 to 60% apparent attenuation. Both mm -hmm. batches used appropriate starters and fermentation temp control is not an issue. Mm. My best guess is that cold side oxygenation, five minutes of stir stick with a drill, isn't giving enough PPMs of O2 for the yeast to live a healthy life. Next batches with pure O2 in line will tell. Hmm. So he's switching to, to pure O2. Yeah. He doesn't mention, you know, what the recipe was or, you know, the, the starting gravity was. Um, mm, no, he does not. Yeah. And he's saying that temperature control is not an issue. And there's not enough detail in this one. Yeah, because it could be, I mean, uh, you know, when you say temperature control isn't an issue, what does that mean? You know, right. in, in his mind, is it getting, it, it's like not too cold so I'm, it's fine or it's that or i'm, I'm keeping hot. it really cold right yeah exactly yeah. so we would need to know details on that for sure because if it's right. too cold then it's then then yeah that's you know that would happen yeah you got to measure the the temperature of the liquid you know the if you're measuring the air temperature and controlling your fermentation that way it doesn't really work so you want to control the temperature of the fermenting liquid mm -hmm. uh, so make sure you're doing that you know five minutes with a stir stick i would think would be enough aeration for most average abv beers right but you know going to pure o2 is not not 
as much of an issue. It will certainly help. The other thing would be, you know, he's saying that, uh, you know, it's an appropriate starter, you know, depends on how you do the starter. Right. If it's a big beer, you've got to have, you know, the right nutrients. You got to have, uh, you know, a big pitch. You got to have oxygen. And if it's something over 1080 starting, then you want to give it a second dose of O2 if necessary. So, you know, look at those. You know, this is only this this question is only five years old. So, <laughs> yeah. So, Stephen, you're still brewing, probably. <laughs> you still, you probably figured it out by now. Let us let us know what <laughs> yeah, you figured yeah. out. Right. You tell us the answer to this, man. Right. There you go. All right. Then you say you had two part. Yeah. His next question is about keg carbonation. He says most of the beers on tap on my fridge are served at about 12 psi. If a beer is carbonated higher than that, say at 2.8 to 3 volumes at 40 degrees, but served at a lower pressure, how long until equilibrium is reached? And are there any major issues with three kegs at different carb volumes, but served at the same pressure? Yeah, the issue is going to be serving all these different beers at the same pressure. You're going to get some foaming. Um, You're probably going to have pouring problems. So how long until it reaches equilibrium? Um, you know, probably within a week, depending on the surface area. If they're corny kegs, it's a pretty small surface area. If they're not being shaken or anything, you know, so you could set all the pressures the same for, you know, a, a couple of days and it will start to affect them. But, you know, uh, certainly for a day, it wouldn't be an issue. Yeah. So, there you go. All right, let's do this. Let's take a short break. And when we come back, we'll have more of your questions right after this. Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high temperature March pump, and either a top tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The Brew Easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new BrewEasy. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. I'm here with my good friend Jason Petros, uh, creator and uh, host of. Dr. Homebrew, and uh, also Ears Up with yeah. his D and exclamation point. Yeah, you can go to earsup-podcast.com or patreon.com slash earsup and support the show. Thank you very much. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, John asks in the chat, what pearls of wisdom did you pick up commercially brewing that you've brought back to your homebrewing? Wow. I think it's bold to assume you're homebrewing again. I am homebrewing. Oh, you are? Okay, good. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about six matches in. Not wow! Uh, I have five yeah. of them have been 
You don't slow down. British uh, bidders. Oh, God bless you. You know, around bless you. three and a half percent to four yeah. percent. And yeah. then I, I did a uh, a mosaic IPA that was like six percent. OK, that I served my friend's pub. Nice. His his home pub in his garage. Um, what, what did I bring back to home brewing? Uh, wow. I feel like that's hard because you had all this homebrewing experience that you brought to commercial brewing. Right. And I imagine it sort of evolved over time as you learned. Right. Yeah. Good luck. I, I will say this. It is a much uh, more relaxed approach to homebrewing now. I don't really, I, you know, being sanitary, pitching the right amount of yeast, things like that, still 100%. But you know, ingredients, it's like, yeah, whatever, whatever ingredients I have, eh, what's the OG, what's the, I don't care, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's going to be beer, you know, I'm, I'm much more relaxed now. I, I okay. don't, since I don't have to sell it, I'm giving it away. Screw you if you don't like it. I don't right. care. Yeah. Partially brewing, I was just like, oh my God, you know, everything's got to be consistent and everything's got to be, you know, exactly the same and. Um, you know, ABVs need to be spot on for governmental reasons. And homebrew, I'm just like, well, it tastes pretty good. You know, <laughs> what more do you want? That's it. It is funny because, you know, on the homebrewing side, if you don't have commercial experience or whatever, you're very much what do the commercial brewers do? Act like a commercial brewer. And to a certain extent, that will help you improve your beers. Mm -hmm. But I think with that also carries the stress of being a commercial brewer. Mm -hmm. on the homebrew set we're like well i have to know i have to record this i have to get it down or whatever because right when you're learning you go oh, okay well that's going to help me and you know that's what we teach people at more beer it's like oh write everything down take notes so you know what happened mm -hmm. but you know i guess what's lost in there is don't stress about it it's also fine right yeah yeah i know you know just blindly how to make beer i, I don't i barely weigh anything i um timing i you know it's all fine <laughs> It'll work. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, the, the lack of stress now, you know, mm. so stressful commercial brewing that, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's fine. It's beer. Well, there you go. I think it's a good life lesson. Well, you're uh, right, my friend. Yeah. Next question is from Dan. Says, mm -hmm. Hi, guys. Thanks for everything you do. I'm assuming he's talking to me and you. Uh, when kicking right. a lager after a diacetyl rest, is it best to keg at the diacetyl rest temperature or is it best to chill it down no more than two degrees per day to yeast target temperature range, which is low to mid forties than kegging? Right. If you, if you uh, want to truly lager the beer with the yeast, you'll chill it down slowly. You say two degrees per day in Fahrenheit, you can, you can do about six. Maximum is six and, and C, it's a, you know, three C a day. Uh, what we did at Heretic was we would set the controller, uh, you know, down three degrees Fahrenheit in the morning. At the end of the day, as everybody's leaving, down another three degrees. Mm. So over the course of 24 hours, we dropped six degrees. Um, two degrees, I like better. And if it wasn't commercial brewing, I would have done two degrees. 
Now you can do two degrees in the morning, two degrees at night, Fahrenheit, one degree C in the morning, one degree C at night. And that's going to keep the yeast fairly active. You know, mm-hmm. it won't completely go dormant. Uh, that's the theory anyways. And then I wouldn't take it down below 40 degrees Fahrenheit. When you say you, you would rather two degrees than three degrees, that's just, it's a two degree difference in 24 hours. Does it, does it really matter? Uh, I think, I think if you're doing a little slower, you avoid the chance of, you know, kind of shocking the whole system and having the yeast just shut down Mm. Uh, because, you know, refrigeration isn't always, especially in a, in a fridge where there's blowing air yeah, and there's, you know, uh, rapid chilling on these commercial fermenters, 120 barrel fermenter. With glycol jacketing, the glycol is running around, uh, you know, our glycol tank was at 28 to 29 degrees Fahrenheit. By the time it goes through the pipes and reaches the tank, it's probably, you know, 30, 31 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's just kind of a slower cooling. So there's not a whole lot of risk of rapidly crashing something and it being being a problem. Mm. Um, you still can commercially, but... Um, it's a little, little less, less so. I think. You ever make uh, loggers? I, uh, yes, one or two times when I was at More Beer, uh, but I haven't done it in I don't know ten years. Oh wow! All right. Yeah, okay. mainly because I don't want to mess with the starter, you know, with the big giant starter and do all that. I love loggers, but I, I don't know. I think my brewing is sort of sloppy. And I just, I would rather buy, I'd rather buy them. You know, it's like, let other people do that because it's hard to do for me. And, um, but maybe that's just an excuse <laughs> to not have to, you know, worry about it. Well, there you go. Yeah. Right. Are you doing loggers at home? I haven't yet, but I have a fridge and a temperature controller. So I, I probably will here at some okay. point. Will you drop it? Two degrees, or will you drop it three degrees a day, Jamil? I I will I will do two because okay. of the size of the fridge and you know the refrigeration a little concerning. Uh, yeah, going uh, too fast. Yeah, well, you don't want to go too fast with that big size. I've got yeah, I've got uh, I've got you know time, so yeah. that doesn't doesn't bother me. All right, very good. You want to do another one? Yep. All right. This is from Billy. Billy. He says, uh, using London Ale 3, I think it's 1318. Mm-hmm. Uh, ketchup. Fermentation calmed to an extreme low after high croissant and good activity over four days. Check gravity 1030 and 1026 OG 1068 Porter. Mm-hmm. We started at 1068, down to 1030 and 1026. A 10-gallon batch split at fermentation. Mm-hmm. Boil up 16 ounces and used Y-yeast yeast nutrient. Now, 24 hours later, small yeast head on beers are fermenting again. Should mm-hmm. I not run this yeast till third generation and do a barley wine due to fermentation issues? Or does it seem like lack of nutrient? At the end of boil, yeast energizer was used in beer, not normal Y-yeast nutrient. Mm. A lot of shorthand. Right. Which, you know, I kind of appreciate Billy, but also because we're really smart. <laughs> so it sounds like he's asking, here's the problems I had with this yeast. Yeah. 
and I got the beer to finish out, but is the cheese going to be a problem uh, on the third generation to do a barley wine? Yeah. I think you'd be okay. It doesn't sound like you had really horrible problems. The issue with reusing yeast a lot of times is it's contaminated. So unless you're very, very careful, there's some bacteria in there, wild yeast probably. Mm -hmm. And if you carry it enough generations, it's going to start showing up in the beer. But if you are careful, uh, most fermentations, even if you kind of jack up the yeast with weird temperature problems that cause, you know, a reaction uh, to thermal stress, the yeast will still be okay. You can end up with petite mutants and things like that, you know, lack of oxygen, lack of nutrients, things like that can kind of mess them up. But generally, you're going to be okay. I wouldn't worry about it uh, on the homebrew scale as mm. much. I, I would do it. I'd, I'd just go ahead and, you know, just especially from those fermentations, you should have a quite a substantial pitch. Yeah. Yeast. And, you know, there's going to be enough healthy yeast in there, even if there are some petite mutants or something. Um, it won't be the whole pitch. So you're probably okay. Uh, just mm -hmm. toss it in there. The problem you might run into may be like the yeast isn't settling very quickly. It's going to take a long time for the yeast to drop out, which happens with the petite mutants. But that's not a big deal, especially in a barley wine. You're not going to drink it right away anyways. You know, have plenty of time to let the yeast settle out. So I, I'd say go for it. What do you think? Yeah, sure, man. Why not? Who cares? It's just homebrew. <laughs> no, um, if it sucks, send it in to Dr. Homebrew. Yeah, yeah. Or if it doesn't, I mean, you know, come on. <laughs> you know, the I would normally agree with you. I mean, I guess I still agree with you. But what causes pauses, this is his third. It would be his third generation. So he already grew it up one time, then used it a second time in the porter. So... I don't know. I mean, you know, if you're talking mutants and stuff at uh, on a homebrew level, maybe for a barley wine wouldn't be good. But then again, it's such a big beer and you're going to. Yeah, go for it, dude. Do it. Let me know how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Chances are it's going to work out just fine. It'll be fine. Yeah. Adam in the chat is asking, uh, did you ever brew a no boil beer at Heretic? I'm thinking about brewing a hazy IPA and not heating past 170 Fahrenheit. Using ALDC to combat diacetyl. Should I be concerned about haze stability without a proper hot break? The thing you should worry about is... Is why in the first place? <laughs> Just do it for me. The, the thing you should worry about is if you're, if you're working from grain, if, if this was just pure extract, I think you'd be okay. Wet extract, I think you'd be okay. If you're coming from grain, you need to boil your wort for at least 15 minutes. You can boil it and then cool it down, but you have to boil it. If you don't, there are organisms that will survive on it. When uh, I came back from England, I was last year, I was toting some uh, special yeast that I had captured. And... Uh, I asked Andrew at the brewery, I'm like, hey, you know, give me when you he was doing a five barrel batch or something. I said, hey, when you uh, after you boiled for a bit, I said, fill these mason jars for me. Uh, I need some starter work. So he filled them for me. But before the boil, it was 195 degrees Fahrenheit. He filled these jars. Oh, man. You know, we we inverted them so the lids were were sanitized 195 degrees. I, I used one of the jars. the The other jar started fermenting. 
it fermented out that entire thing. Um, wow. it, it ended up tasting clean. So I think it may have been, you know, diastaticus or something, but it completely fermented big layer of yeast in the bottom afterwards. <laughs> and I'm just like 195 didn't do it. So I had to throw away the yeast I was growing up because of the, the other one it was clearly the same. Sure. So I wouldn't trust anything that isn't, isn't boiled for at least 15 minutes. I think it's, I think it's critical. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd look out for that. I think that's, you know, one of the, one of the big issues is uh, making sure you boil it. Uh, and Leaf is asking, uh, let's see, Hey guys, uh, would you please write in the chat how you would construct a great California IPA? Would be greatly appreciated. Well, I'll tell you, great California IPA. If you want it in writing, there's this book called Brewing Classic <laughs> Styles. <laughs> yeah, yourself a copy of that. Yeah. Come on, um, Leaf. I'm gonna just type it out in the chat. Yeah, or you know, email me and I'll I'll, I'll give it to you in writing. Uh, a great California IPA. You know, West Coast IPA. It's today is really light, so just base malt. Use something, uh, a, a, a North American two-row. Uh, we like to use the RAR Alex malt. Um, it's really light in color. It's like, you know, like 1.8, 1.9. Mm. And uh, about 5 to 10% uh, dextrose. And then hops. Hop the, uh, you know, uh, California ale yeast, 01, US uh, 05, uh, 1056, any of those. And then uh, hop it aggressively with some sea hops and modern hops. And there you go. Real simple. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. It's base malt, sugar, and that's it. It's, you know, uh, a light, easy drinking uh, IPA. Target like six, six and a half percent ABV. John asks uh, another quick one. Since we're on the top of the English yeast, what strain are you using for homebrewed bitter? Is Y East West Yorkshire still your favorite? Absolutely. That is freaking fantastic. That's the one, huh? I, it is, it is just delicious. So the first homebrew batch I did told Chris and Warrior, I'm like, well, send me any of the ingredients for a bitter. And so it was, you know, some golden promise, a little bit of crystal malt. Goldings, Fuggles, and the West Yorkshire yeast. And mm -hmm. man, oh man, it just, it was probably one of the best bitters I've ever brewed. It wow. was spectacular. Nice. So the only thing I like better is um, Harvey's Brewery in Sussex. Their uh -huh. bitter, their yeast is uh, actually, I think it's 11 or 13 different organisms. And the flavor it develops is out of this world good this is wow. probably my favorite beer in the world it's it's in the it got me in the top three God, i'm thirsty now i've never even had it before but it sounds great it sounds complex I, I, I carry it is but it's not it's not you know weird in any way it's just yeah. there's a lot a lot of uh structure to that that yeast flavor that's in there it's perfect i i toted back a little mini five liter mini keg of, of this beer <laughs> on my last trip nice so i'm down to my last last two pints oh man you should just get the yeast and have uh like white labs culture it and bank it for you yeah that's the thing i mean i was when i was there i was thinking you know i could just stick my hand in this yeast scoop a bunch stick it in my pocket and then yeah. when i get home cut the pocket out and grow it up and 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 plate everything out but 
I didn't. Yeah. You don't want to take the yeast without asking. Oh, no. Yeah. You got to oh. ask for sure. Yeah. Maybe they'll just tube it up for you. Oh, and now I'm, I'm going to carry uh, some sterile uh, tubes with me. Um, you have to. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Everybody should be carrying sterile, sterile tubes. That's right. Reduce the population a little bit. Again, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of, see, since you're on the show, we're getting uh-huh. a lot of, of live listeners. With oh, questions. yeah. I'm sure that's what it is. Everyone's. It's like a train wreck. It's like a car accident. Like, oh, let's see what JP's been doing. <laughs> Sitting in that studio of his talking about Mickey Mouse. <laughs> William asks, any bottling tips when entering beers in homebrew competitions? Methods, equipment, PSI, timing, etc. You really should put out an updated version of BCS. <laughs> uh, there are, author a new recipe book, even if it ends up being more pages than publishers prefer. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm building up the strength to to get that second <laughs> second version done. I mean, it's going to turn out like Encyclopedia Britannica. You know, it's yeah. going to it's probably going to be a thousand pages. Oh my um, goodness! But uh, hey, you know, I like to I like to hear myself talk when I write. That's true. Let's see. Yeah, I just need to buckle down and get that done. Uh, bottling tips. That's what I should throw in there, William. That's a great idea. Bottling tips. There you go. Packaging tips. I got to write, write myself a note on that one. I mean, it's a good idea. It's a lot, what a lot right. of people ask. And it's right. one of the hardest things to do on the homebrew side, on the cold, anything cold side is very hard. Right, right. Uh, I think that's more useful information than, you know, the other stuff that was in BCS, you know, because people, people are very serious <laughs> that have that book. Well, what, what, what did you do to, to bottle beers, JP? You know, I, um, God, I would, bottle condition for years uh and then i kegged and then i would i did everything from like the counter pressure filler at more beer Mm -hmm. i never used a beer gun Mm -hmm. which i hear is is you know the way to do it i also have just shoved the tube up the faucet and like crank the carbonation up a couple Uh psi and then just you know let the let the headspace fill up and then run it off that or you know lower it i guess Mm -hmm. lower the uh lower the the carbonation i think it's what it was you overcarbonate a little bit then you drop the psi so more carbonation stays in i don't know i forget what it is anyway it doesn't matter um right. and then i would do that and i would just go right into a bottle and cap it and that seemed to work okay mm-hmm. but for me i never i had a hard time getting my just general carbonation dialed in mm-hmm. you know um i got the runs you know fine i got the tubing length i got all that but it just it would always seem like undercarbonated and then when I would try to, you know, bump it up a little bit, it was over. I couldn't find, I couldn't find that sweet that spot. plateau. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. everything I did was sort of undercarbonated, and then I just don't. Now it just doesn't matter if, if I bring beer anywhere. It's just a little, a little less carbonated than I want, and um, mm-hmm. I've learned to live with it. Well, I appreciate that. I, I don't like a highly carbonated beer, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think the tricks are, you know, getting the beer very cold. Mm-hmm. You know, the colder you can get and going off of a keg, get that beer, you know, as close to ice cold as you can it becomes worlds easier to fill the bottles uh, without you know, a lot of excess foaming. Like you mentioned, the old Fox filler, the uh, the filler that a decade ago or a couple decades ago I was using mm-hmm. for more beer that worked well. I filled 10, 20,000 bottles using that. The... Uh, Blickman beer gun, I think, is much easier and works really well. You know, 
you stick it in there you pull the pull the trigger to to purge with co2 just give it a long purge in testing at heretic we were able to get zero parts per billion uh in a bottle using a blickman beer gun but the trick was purge the co2 for minutes mm. minutes know? wow minutes. okay all right because what happens is the CO2, as much as you want to think it, it just lays on the bottom and, and pushes out the oxygen, it does, but it mixes. It really does mix and mix easily with the, the air that's there. So you just need to just keep on squirting the CO2. If this is for a competition, you want these things perfect. Yeah. Purge for a couple of minutes and then fill, you know, use the beer gun and then, you know, cap on foam. You do that, you know, you'll, you'll, We'll be doing great. Let's take another short break. And when we come back, we'll have more of your questions right after this. Learning to brew has never been so disgusting. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. I want to tell you uh, about uh, the good friends uh, up at uh, Brew Chatter in Reno. Have you ever been there, JP? I have not, to Reno or Brew Chatter or both or both. Uh, I've been to Reno years ago. I have not been to Brew Chatter. I've been to, when I went to Reno, it was not in a home brewing capacity. Uh, well, um, yeah. If you get a chance to go up there, fantastic guys, wonderful shop. They have a great online presence, and their customer service is spectacular. Uh, they're really on top of things and uh, really nice guys, very knowledgeable. If you go in there, tell them I sent you, uh, have, have a pint of beer at their little bar there. They have uh, great uh, commercial beers on and they do a lot of events. Fun place to visit. Every time I'm up in Reno, I love to go by Brew Chatter and, and hang out. So uh, check them out, brewchatter.com. Let's see here. Do you have another question for us, JP? I sure do. This is from Antonio. Antonio. This is Jamil. I've been listening to Brew Strong for about a year now and appreciate the knowledge bombs you guys provide. My question is, why does it seem like you guys are against brew in a bag, all grain brewing? Hmm. I personally find it to produce great beer and now have 10 batches under my belt since switching from extract brewing. Mm -hmm. The convenience of not having a sparge and louder setup and associated equipment are a huge plus in my book. I understand why it doesn't work on a commercial level, <laughs> but for me is a great all grain method for home brewery. P.S. No need to conduct your studies on squeezing the bag. I have brewed the same coffee stout on three occasions with the same yeast, and the one that was squeezed had very noticeable astringency compared to the others. Mm. All were fermented in a plastic bucket using a mini fridge and temp control taped to the bucket. Tony. So don't so, squeeze your bag. Don't squeeze your bag. But why the hate against uh, brew in a bag, Jamil? What's going on? Why? <laughs> why do you hate innovation? I was attacked by a bag when I was young. <laughs> yeah, okay. And uh, yeah, you know, that's how it goes. So I hate brew in a bag. Yeah, there you go, no, Antonio. Um, I, I don't hate brew in a bag. I think there's nothing really wrong with it. I'm kind of doing brew in a bag right now um, with the Brewzilla. You oh, yeah. kind of lift that basket out, set it up on top, and then you pour some water through it. That's essentially brewing a bag. I think the, the problem I had with brewing a bag is just depends on how you do it. So if you're just putting the grain in a bag, soaking it, pulling it out, and then boiling that, you know, I got a few issues with that. 
Uh, it, it'll still work fine, but I think it's better if you recirculate the wort through the grains. It helps remove a lot of that particulate matter. Clarifying the wort, it'll help with uh, shelf stability uh, later on. Uh, mm. So I think I think that's useful. And you could still do that with brew in a bag. And then, uh, you know, other than that, I, I think it's fine. I don't I don't really have a problem against it. All but, right. uh, yeah. Fair. On the record, we've solved it. There you are. Yeah, no more hate. <laughs> What's up next? Apparently, this is another one from Tony. He says, uh, gents, I see. It's interesting. The last one was addressed to you specifically, but now this is just, you know, a general email. I've mm -hmm. read in forums that some homebrewers grow up more yeast than necessary in order to get multiple pitches from a single liquid yeast packet. I know that the amount of yeast pitched relative to the size of the starter has an effect on growth rate and yeast health. What I'm wondering is, if this is a viable alternative to top and bottom cropping. Well, you certainly could do this and you just need to make sure you get enough yeast out of the, the starter and you, but you could do, you know, multiple steps. You could do the first step and then you could split those, that starter off and then do two new starters mm -hmm. and then get a one for one beer. And so I've done this where you just save a little bit of yeast and then, uh, you know, go ahead with your, your brew day. And then that little bit of yeast you use to make your next starter for your next batch. Now, that's different than top and bottom cropping. Top and bottom cropping, you're going to get from a batch of beer, you're going to get a lot more yeast than you will out of a starter. Mm. You know, it's, it's, think of it, you know, you're doing five gallons or 20 liters, 18 liters of uh, wort, and you're growing yeast with that. You're going to get quite a bit more yeast out of it. So that's one of the differences. The other thing is when you brew your beers, your the yeast is kind of adjusting to the environment that you're providing in, in, in your brewery. And so after a few generations, it kind of falls in a groove, I find, that hmm. you know, the third or fourth generation is really nice for, for making beers. So uh, I think that that's different. And then, you know, top cropping, you know, especially with certain yeast, you get some of the healthiest yeast that way. Uh, so that's, that's kind of different. The issue with, you know, top and bottom cropping is, is it clean? Is it healthy? You know, have you done everything right? If you're, if you're not comfortable with how clean your process is and brewing and all that, you need to, you know, skip the, the top and bottom cropping and, and go more with like you're suggesting the uh, splitting a starter and, and mm -hmm. doing that. Yeah. Did you make starters when you, when you I brew? Or? Yeah, I, I did. I don't anymore. I haven't for a long time because I've had some contamination issues in the past. And the way I brew, which I don't do a whole lot of anymore, just because I'm, I'm lazy, I guess, I'm taking a break. I mean, it, I like brewing. I hate kegging. If I didn't have to package that shit, I would, I would brew all the time. Mm -hmm. But I just hate, I hate everything post-fermentation. I can't stand it. Right. Um, you know, the starters, I just buy two, two pitches of yeast. Mm -hmm. And I just do that. And it, it works out fine. It's not, you know, maybe the greatest, you know, start to a fermentation ever. But I find the beers come out fine. I don't really have many issues with it. And for me, that's much easier than, you know, heating the, the thing up on the stove and then cooling it down and, you know, swirling and doing all that. I don't know. I just, um, it also allows me to brew like the day of, or maybe the day before I go, Oh, you know, I kind of want to brew tomorrow and I can just pop out to more beer and, 
and grab two packets and you know i'm good to go because i do five gallons at a time so i think two packets what do you think two packets is like two tubes of white labs uh yeah i I think that's fine and actually white labs now has a new pack out it's like a like a bag Mm -hmm. with a screw cap on it and really um it's several fold more yeast than uh was in the the previous packs oh geez okay so you know it's for most most average uh, gravity beers it's just a toss toss it in you're good to go and it's plenty of yeast and you only need one that's great so check that out people should check that out yeah yeah it's good stuff all righty do you have another question that isn't from antonio um, I, I do. Well, this is more, I guess, a comment. I don't know. This is from Ted. He says, I was listening to old Bruce Strong episodes. By the way, this is from 2020. So, Ted, you're getting the freshest, the freshest responses possible. Right. Uh, I was listening to old Bruce Strong episodes and almost drove off the road laughing so hard. I could barely see through my tears when I heard the unicorn and the rainbow blow sailors for loose change. <laughs> That's a throwback to lunch meat if I've ever heard it. Yes. Speaking of blowing sailors, is our good friend John Blickman getting blown for loose change now since he's sponsoring the show? Inquiring brewers want to know. <laughs> I love the show. Keep it up. Ted. <laughs> I feel like you have to answer that question because I don't know. Is John Blickman getting blown? right? Yeah, uh, basically, you yes. know, business owner needs to do what a business owner needs to do to mm-hmm. you know make ends meet. So, I mean, I guess it's possible. As for uh, unicorn and the uh, and the rainbow, that's you. That's you, my friend. They have been missing. Those two have been missing for years now. We don't know where they are. I think they've. Uh, I think they're now truck drivers in the Midwest, and they just you know crisscross the country, being weird together, killing prostitutes. Possibly, I don't really know. We'll see. Right. We'll see when the book comes out. Wherever the sailors are, that's where they're going. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, a lot of long haul to the docks. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, I think maybe it's time for for another lunch meet. I've been trying to get a lunch meet going for literally probably a decade, I would guess. Maybe eight years at the least. And uh, Jay's not having it. I think he's over it. I think there would be quite a, a listenership for a, you know, I think so, too. An anniversary uh, lunch meet. I I agree. Right. But uh, yeah, I feel like that show was a little too inappropriate to uh, resurrect in this new in this day and age. You would have to put it behind lots of warnings. Oh, yeah. Paywall after paywall. You have to pay twice. You have to pay to get the code and then you have to pay even more to be able to input the code to get the show. And you got to pay a third time to forget what you just heard. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. There you go. All right. Let's take one more short break, and then we'll wrap up with a couple more questions right after this. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're back. Good to see you. I haven't seen you in a, in a while. Yeah, it's been a long time, man. Good to see you, too. I'm glad you're still been, moving around. At least months. Uh, absolutely, yeah. If you not just, a year. I forget now. <laughs> but I feel like I see you at least every month because I edit I edit your shows. 
Oh, there you go. Yeah. So I see you. I saw Mitch. <laughs> got to hang out with Mitch the other day. And then Fal Allen from uh, Anderson Valley. Got to hang out with him and you. And that was fun. There you go. You know, I felt like a third wheel, but that's okay. Well, you know, that's you know, it's the same old, same old for you. Right. Yeah. Basically just sitting there, listening to other people talk and going, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, yeah. man. <laughs> when can I leave? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Time for another question. Yep. All right. This is from Michael. Says greetings from the UK. Been loving the show for many years and have learned a huge amount from my American fellow brewers. Most of us Europeans are all electric for boilers and rims slash herms, etc. And have also been tinkering with PID controllers without really knowing what we are doing. Sounds safe. What's PID? Proportional, the integral derivative. Uh, what is it? What is that? <laughs> Uh, somehow you were less. Somehow I'm less clear on the acronym than, now, than I was than before. When you started. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, essentially like you know a, a set of uh, functions that apply certain mathematics to resolving the issue of controlling temperature accurately. So in a system, right? Uh, okay. Let's take you know boiling water. Yeah, you have different power burners. You have different metals. You have different size kettles. You have different environmental factors. It's cold. It's warm where you're brewing, etc. And what it, it tries to do is learn. Or if you're really an expert, you can. Pro- a lot of these have learning functions where you just push a button and it tries to figure out, you know, what it should do as far as these settings go. Or if if you know somebody that's really well versed in this. They can kind of tune the device to keep the temperature stable. Let's say you don't want boiling, but you want, you know, 176 Fahrenheit. Mm. So what it, and you're having this thing turn on and off the, the burner. It will, if, if you, if you just have a simple on off, what, what happens is, and you have a powerful burner, the, it'll overshoot, right? You're, you got this giant flame going. Because you want things to heat up quick, but then when it gets to your set temperature of 176, the temperature just keeps going up, right? Mm-hmm. Until it falls back down. And then, uh, you know, you, you get a repeat of the problem. Well, what these do is as it's getting nearer to the set point temperature, it slows down the heat input, right? So if you're, you generally use this with, electrical as 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 uh michael was saying yeah so it'll it'll throttle the amount of power that's going it, it they have different ways of doing it but you know essentially it's just turning it on and off on and off rapidly and the the distance between those ons and offs uh change and it'll start slowing down the amount of heat that's being applied as it gets closer and closer to the set point okay so it doesn't overshoot yeah all right Kind so of that's feathers kind of the there. goal of, of a PID controller. Sounds cool. Sounds like cool tech. The question, he says, although I have done a reasonable amount of research on PID controllers with all their various complex parameters and optimal settings for homebrew, but I'm still confused. Also, are they different other than temperature, of course, if I'm controlling my boiler or fridge? Please, could you explain them so that an idiot like myself can understand? Well, I think we already did some of that. The list of other questions related to electric brewing is huge, but I won't bore you with them. Anyway, keep up the great work you do for all of us. And yes, I have emailed Blickman to thank him also for his sponsorship. Uh, Good job, Mike. That was from Mike. 
Thank you, Mike. Um, everybody so, should email uh, Blickman, feedback at BlickmanEngineering.com. Tell them that's right. you appreciate that he's paying for the show. The show's still going because of Blickman. Uh, Absolutely, 100%. As my God friend. knows there's like no listeners, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, just me. Right. You're, you're the one. You, you listen to the shows <laughs> while you... Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, you, I think you explained what they do, but right. are they are they different if you're controlling a boiler versus a fridge? No, it's the same device. It's, Would you want that kind of compressor clicking on and off thing with a fridge? Right. You can't really, you know, a, a lot of fridges will have an anti short cycle built into them, so they won't run the compressor. If the compressor shuts off when you, when it first gets power, there's mm-hmm. a time delay, generally, you know, 20 minutes to allow the compressor, the liquids to settle back so that you don't damage your compressor. Mm-hmm. So that would be an issue there. But, you, you you know, depending on what kind of, if you have a peltier chip, that, that can be done with, uh, you know, PID. So, yeah, you can't really use it with everything, but... You know, you could use it with something like um, even a burner. If you have a valve throttling the gas and it could adjust the gas flow to turn the burner down and turn the burner back up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's there's a lot of technology there. Even one of these $13 PIDs you buy on eBay from China, um, there's a ton of technology in there that that uh, is available to control your electric brewing. So, yeah, something, something to kind of get into. Nice. Uh, William was asking, uh, will you both be attending Homebrew Con this year in San Diego? I met your boys Blickman and Cooper this past uh, year in Pittsburgh. Oh, nice. You going to be at the conference? No. I will be home. (laughs) Are you going to be at the conference? I've booked a hotel. Okay. I have talked about being there. I have ignored requests to... uh, submit a topic to talk on (laughs) (laughs) i don't know might just go down there and hang out in some bar and just tell people hey come on by and we'll hang out it'd be cheaper for me to buy people a pint of beer than it would be to attend a conference um, (laughs) pay for conference attendance sure well but if you give a talk then you get it for free so it's fine you know yeah it's got a little work right i mean i could yeah Uh, it's too late. They've uh, they've already closed off their conference. Uh, I think Brian Cooper submitted um, a thing. We try to do a Dr. Homer show from there every year, but they always <laughs> reject us. Um, <laughs> so we'll see about that. To be honest, they're rejecting you. Yeah, well, but see, I, that's why I don't submit it. Cooper uh, does it. So uh, they're really rejecting him. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. Yeah, I got one more if you want it. All right, let's do the one more. And then right. we'll, we'll wrap it up. We're out of here. All right, this is from Rod. This gentleman, during your 926.16 podcast, of course, everybody remembers that one. Yeah. Uh, you were, you won, this is from 2017, so it's definitely fresh in his mind. You were discussing lag time, and Jamil said, quote, if you're getting fermentation in an hour, you're not getting any growth. Is that a bad thing or a good thing? Does it mean you pitched a really good number of healthy yeast that are all grown up and ready to start fermenting right away? Or does it mean something is wrong? What would cause the yeast to start fermenting right away instead of going through a growth slash lag phase first? Well, that is 
That is a good question. Hmm. I think, you know, sometimes I drink and say things. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, if you're getting fermentation, like almost immediate fermentation, then yeah, the yeast didn't really go through a, a growth and lag phase. Growth is important to the flavor in beer. So uh, mm-hmm. when back when people were talking, when I was experimenting a lot with homebrew, one of the things was it's like over pitching and under pitching. And so I tried an experiment with, you know, under pitching you know, pitching was the right amount and over pitching, it takes a lot of yeast to over pitch. <laughs> but if you do, uh, you don't really get any growth phase and the beer tastes a little different than it would. Otherwise, it's a little mm. more bleh than, okay. uh, than it should be. It, you know, generally you want yeast character. So I generally would say that that's a bad thing. Now, let's say... One of the things that I, I will do is I'll take you know yeast from a previous batch and I will wake that up with a starter and you know get that going, or I'll take a starter and you know grow that up and it's fresh off of its growth and you put it in and you know you might get a, a fairly short you know lag phase, but generally you want uh, to pitch the right amount of yeast in the right kind of health conditions so that you get fermentation after an appropriate amount of you know, growth within the beer there. So mm-hmm. there you go. Okay. What do you think? Sounds good. I mean, yeah, sure. I think it's fine. I know there was, when I was doing starters, there was sort of a conversation about at what point in the starters life cycle mm-hmm. is appropriate to pitch. Like, you know what I mean? Like after the high Krausen within the flask or right. before, because like you said, you don't want to, first of all, you want to get rid of the liquid. Anyways, yes. I guess so. Right. Um, but you don't want you don't want that just to go right in and start carrying over. That's that's a whole nother that's a whole nother issue. So the way that the yeast manufacturers ensure the highest amount of glycogen reserves in the yeast is they take the yeast up to you know like high croissant and then and then they they crash chill them from there. There's a certain point in the process where they crash chill them and it causes the yeast to pull in, create the glycogen reserves. And uh, they're at their optimal self-contained nutrient to do better fermentation, to to survive longer in storage. Mm -hmm. So that's why they do that. The, The thing about, you know, when you're brewing is you don't have a way of really separating that out from the starter word. I mean, you can, you know, crash chill it at that point and then, you know, decant off the liquid. You really don't want that spent starter liquid. If it's just a little bit compared to the, the volume of your beer, then it's not a big deal. But if you're making a big starter, you don't want to throw all that spent starter wort into your beer because it often does not taste good at all. So, yeah. So there's the issue there. Okay. All right. Well, that's it, Rod. There you go. Great show. Thank you for joining me, my brother. Uh, of course, man. Happy to. Yeah. Have a good time. If you listen to the show and you enjoy it, make sure you check out our fine sponsors, BlickmanEngineering.com. Like I said, send an email, feedback at BlickmanEngineering.com. That goes straight to John Blickman and he reads them all. So tell him uh, how much you appreciate that he pays for the show so you, you can continue to enjoy it. I know you know, uh, every, every company needs to look at where they're spending dollars and... Uh, if something is not returning 
uh, on their investment, uh, they're going to have to say goodbye to it. So make sure right. you, you, you support Blickman Engineering. You know, you know, go go to the the Hoker Shop and ask to see the Blickman gear that they have. Uh, yeah, check out their website. A lot of little things you can do to help help out a, a you know a business. Uh, same thing for Brew Chatter. Check them out. Good guys there. Make sure you uh, support the Brewing Network and uh, you know check out uh, JP's show, Doctor Homebrew. I, I really quite enjoy that one. And then also I. I got to admit, I haven't listened to any of the Disney oh, ones. Bummer. It's fine. Don't worry about it. That's uh, all right. But, but I have to. Uh, you, know, you have to you now. Know, we're, we're, we're big Disney family. So there uh, you go. Yeah. yeah. If you guys, if you want your beer on Dr. Homebrew, if you want to be a guest on the show, if you want to send us homebrew, email Brian at thebrewingnetwork.com. B-R-I-A-N at thebrewingnetwork.com. And he will get you sorted out. And we'll get you on the schedule. And if you're local, we can pick up the beers and, you know, don't worry about it. You just ship to one of us and we'll we'll figure it out from there if you're not local. But, uh, yeah. So we're looking for beers, actively looking for beer homebrews. And that's the hard part mm-hmm. is we're just, you know, now it's like, well, nobody, nobody's volunteering their beer, especially in the winter right now. So we're sort of uh, sort of looking, looking for oh. beers. Oh, maybe, maybe yeah. I should brew a beer for Dr. Homebrew. Oh, please do. And that then, would be uh, great. But I'd have to bring a cask down. I have to bring <laughs> my beer engine down. Well, we do it remotely, so have to, have to pour pour the beers. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I guess you could do it in my house, and then they can just watch. But uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, I could just do it here. I could drink it and tell you how good it is. That would be a good show. <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, based on your comments, we'll fill out a score sheet. Oh, all right. Yeah, okay. I think that'd be a great way to do it. Yeah. 50 point beer. Look at this. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> Best one we ever had on, uh, <laughs> on Dr. Yeah. Homebrew. Um, Absolutely. Uh, David's asking, what's that email again? It's brian at thebringnetwork.com. That's right. And Mike uh, filled, filled that in for us. There you go. Thanks. Nice. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody. Really enjoyed doing the show. And uh, we will see you all on the flip side. You're strong, everybody.